Welcome to the Dayspring Audio Library, the teaching ministry of Pastor Daniel Rehoff. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will have a powerful impact on your life. So sit back and enjoy today's time in the Word. All through the Bible, prophecy is talked about, okay? Some of the stuff we're talking about today is in the book of Ezekiel. Some of the stuff we're talking about is over here in the book of Matthew. Some of the stuff we're talking about today is in the book of Thessalonians. And some of the stuff we're talking about today is in the very last book of the Bible, Revelation. I say, Pastor, whew, it's all over the Bible. Like, wow, like, how can I keep up? And why are you going over here? Why are you going over there? And and why are we going to move around a lot of different passages? Here's why. Because in the Bible, um, different passages of the Bible covered different parts of Revelation, or, or I shouldn't say Revelation, of, of the end times, that's what I should say, a prophecy, but, but kind of like, like my illustration here. Okay, these parts all have to kind of work together like gears on a wheel, okay? They kind of have to all work together. So, so maybe Ezekiel talks about this, but at the same time, that corresponds with something in the book of Thessalonians, and we need to talk about that, which, it, which is happening, you know, right before the thing that's talked about in the book of Revelation, okay? So we're going to have to kind of go back and forth to get chronologically what we're talking about today, but don't be, don't be blown away as like, wow, we're kind of in a bunch of different places in the Bible, because all these little pieces have to fit together to tell the story, all right? So I just kind of want you to understand that I don't want you to get lost in it and be like, wow, that's just a lot of stuff to cover. All right, so we're going to start in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 24. This has kind of been our key passage of what we've been covering. And, and the reason we're talking about this is because this was the beginning of the series. The disciples come up to Jesus one day, and he's preaching in the, on what's called the Mount of Olives. And, 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 and we'll look at this verse here. Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. Here we go. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Jesus, tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? So, we have to remember this, hold on to this and understand this. When Jesus is talking to the disciples and what he's going to tell them and what we've been studying, he's not saying is for the rapture of the church. Okay, quick review, the rapture of the church is when Jesus doesn't come back down to earth, but when he calls his saints, the believers, us as believers, up out of the earth, okay, up to heaven with him. He's not talking about the rapture, nor is he talking about the next seven years, which is called the tribulation. He's talking about the end of the tribulation when he literally comes down from heaven, feet on the ground, his second coming. So the disciples 2,000 years ago are saying, Jesus, hey Jesus, tell us, what is the the sign of your second coming, of the end of the world. They're not talking about this, the rapture of the church. Why? Remember this? Because they don't even know the church exists. Do you remember this? We studied this. The, uh, the, the church was a mystery. It wasn't until the apostle Paul came on, on, on deck and, and Peter helped him and he said, okay, this is a new way that God's going to work with people. It's called the church. That's what we're doing. So these disciples back here they, they didn't see the church because they didn't know about it. What they saw was prophecy, the end of this time, after the rapture, after the tribulation, when Jesus literally comes and touches down. All right, are we good so far? 
Shake your head if you're good. You good? All right. Okay. Now, with that in mind, let's keep working forward. And today, we're going to talk about the battle that ends all battles. We're going to talk about the battle of Armageddon and, uh, and what that looks like. And I'm really going to phrase it differently. I'm going to call it the battles, plural, of Armageddon. I don't think it's just one chunk, one battle. I think there's going to be a bunch of things that are going to happen. So, let's, uh, let's review here again and, and stay with me. The church is raptured. Boom. Right? All believers are gone. Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3. All right? We enter into, and this carpet here has kind of become my tribulation. We've entered into this seven-year tribulation period. All right? Now, remember what we studied so far? We talked about a one-world religion. Remember we talked about that last time we were together? We talked about these different things. We talked about the Antichrist. Okay? Halfway through the tribulation, so at three and a half years is where we're going to pick up today. Okay, we're going to start talking about the battles of Armageddon, the battle of Armageddon. And, and what's happened up to this point, and you remember through the book of Revelation, it's talking about this terrible thing and this thing and hail and fire and all these really, really bad things that are happening on earth. All these things have been happening. People are missing. You know, the rapture's gone. You know, probably a billion or so people, I don't know, are gone. Babies are gone. Expectant mothers, their babies have disappeared. They're gone, right? And, and so all these people are missing. The world's in, in chaos this leader comes on deck and he says, hey, I got peace. I'm going to bring peace to Israel and I can do this. And, and he says, listen, I've got this under control. And, and everyone just kind of drinks the Kool-Aid and says, great, this guy's going to bring peace. And so there's a period of peace. And then we're right here at the three and a half, the middle way mark, okay? That's where we're going to try to pick up today. And, and let me say this too, just again for context. At the three and a half year mark, we talked about this. The Antichrist is going to be in the temple in Jerusalem, and he's going to say, all your sacrifices are now to me. Okay, which means what? Think, which means what? There has to be a, a temple in Jerusalem for him to do this. Now, I believe they can build this temple really quick. They'll do it really fast. It won't, won't take much time. They'll do it in that three and a half years, I think. But what else has, what's the obvious thing that has to happen? The Jews have got to be in where? They've got to be in Israel, right? They've got to be back in land. Israel has to be a nation. We saw that happen back in 1948. So, so that part of the puzzle is there, and there's nothing. There's nothing that we're waiting for for the rapture of the church. There's just nothing. It could happen today. It could happen tomorrow. Uh, it, could, it could happen before the Bucks game, and that just depends on the score. If we want it to happen before the Bucks game, who knows what's going to happen? But, um, but all these things were taking place, and so, and so let's pick up here in, the, in the, the, the kind of the events, and let's see. If you're still in Matthew chapter 24, we've got to move quickly. Matthew chapter 24, let's look down at verse 6 and 7. And here's Jesus, and we've looked at this before, right? This is not new. Here's Jesus telling them what it's going to look like, okay? What, what is this going to look like? What is my second coming going to look like? Here's a sign of my second coming, verse 6. And you shall hear of wars... And rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, <coughs> church. <laughs> See that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, for the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines. Whoa. There shall be pestilence. You know another name for pestilences? Disease of pandemic proportion. Have we had that recently? Yeah, I think so. Well, so they say, but <laughs> earthquakes in diverse places. So, so what we see right there at the beginning of verse 7 is a sign of the end times is that there's going to, or verse 6, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Here's what I think is going to happen, and here's what we're going to see from Scripture that says it is going to happen. At, at somewhere around the middle here, somewhere around the three and a half year mark, 
Russia is going to see an opportunity. Russia is going to say, hey, Israel is living there in peace. Their guns don't have bullets in them right now. They're living in peace, right? The Antichrist is unseen. Everything's okay. I bet you. I bet you the Antichrist doesn't have the guts to pull a gun on us. And Russia has some, or Israel has something that we need. And the Bible actually predicts that Russia and, and other countries as well are going to pr- uh, invade Israel. I believe it's going to happen right around the middle of Mark. Now, uh, a middle mark of the tribulation, the, the three and a half year mark. Now, let's talk about a couple things about why I think that. Well, what is it that Israel or what is it that Russia is going to want from Israel? Well, contrary to like the Left Behind you know, book series, I, I think the world's going to be in such chaos. I just don't think oil production and these kind of things are going to be what they are today. Um, people are still living, but there's been natural disaster after natural disaster after natural disaster and, and, and all these things going on, people dying and millions of people dying. And, and what is it that Russia would see from Israel that they'd want? Well, the only thing that I could really see outside of just the fact that uh, Israel has just always been just a prosperous nation. I mean, if you fly over the Middle East from an airplane, and I've done this 14 times, you look down, you can find Israel from, you know, hundreds of miles away. Why? It's the only green spot in the middle of the desert. It is the green, it is the green spot in the middle of the desert, you know. But here's what I think. I think, I think the natural gas production. Do you know, Israel used to always import natural gas. Do you know that? And, and finally one day, about in the middle of the 2000s there, Egypt said, well, we're going to stop exporting to you. Israel's increased their natural gas production. Do you know that Israel actually now exports natural gas to the surrounding nations around them. They've got so much natural gas, they're just pumping it out and, and, and giving it to people and, and selling it and, and, make, and doing very well at it. But I'm almost just kind of wondering if, if, if Russia isn't after the natural gas, but isn't also kind of after the Antichrist. Like, we are going to teach him something. Uh, and we're going to show this guy something. We're going to like, we're going to become the world power that we once were. So the Bible actually talks about it. We're going to take a look at this. If you got your Bible, ready? Hang on. Ezekiel, all the way over here, the Old Testament. Here's the prediction. Sometimes it seems a little confusing. Let's just read it slowly. Don't, don't get worked up because you don't totally understand it. Ezekiel 38, verse 2. Here's the, here's the, the, the verses, starting with verse 2. Son of man... Set thy face against Gog, that is a location, and the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshesh and Tubal, and prophesy against him and say, thus said the Lord of God, behold, I am against thee, O Gog, uh, the chief prince of Meshesh and Tubal, and I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws, and I will bring thee forth, and all thine army, the horses, the horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Now look here, there's another list of nations. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya with them. All of them with shield and helmet. Verse 6, Gomer and all his bands, the house of Tugamar uh, and the north quarters and all his bands and many people with thee. And then look what he says, verse 9. What are they going to do? Verse 9, they are, thou shalt ascend and come like a storm. Thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land. Thou and all thy bands and many people with thee. In other words, they are going to come over Israel like a storm cloud. Whew, get ready. Verse 11, and thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. Well, that would be Israel, Jerusalem. I'll go to them uh, that are at rest. Thou dwelt safely, all them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. Israel's like living in a lap of luxury right now. The Antichrist has promised freedom. They don't have bullets in their guns, so to speak. He's doing it with peace, okay, not with armament. 
And they're saying, hey, we're going to take this because we see an open door. What are they going to do, verse 12, to take spoil? They're going to take something. And to take prey, they're going to take someone, to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations which have gotten cattle and goods uh, that dwell in the midst of the land. So, here's a reference to, and you've heard this in prophecy and if you've studied uh, it, the battle of Gog and Magog, okay? Maybe you've heard that when you've studied prophecy. Now you say, Pastor, what is that? Okay, remember this, that Russia, well, let's back up, let's back up. This verse was written about 570 years before the time of Christ, okay? That's been about 2,000 years ago or since the time of Christ, right? So this is about 2,500 years ago that this was prophesied. Well, Pastor, how come it doesn't say Russia? Because Russia didn't come into existence until when? About the 15th century, about 1500 A.D., after Christ, 1500 years. So it's only, Russia's only been Russia for what? About 500 years. It wasn't, the, it wasn't named the same. But these areas, we know these areas. Of course, we know Libya and Persia and these other areas. But you have to remember this, that uh, the names, the locations are the same, but the names weren't the same. Why is that confusing? Well, just because they weren't named out the present-day things. Now, some people say, Pastor Dan, is there a problem with our nation pulling out of Afghanistan? I think there is a problem. I want to show you some maps here. We're going to have some fun here, do a little geography. Um, Here is a map, and uh, we'll take a look here and kind of get an idea here. Right over here in the very corner here, this says Israel. Do you see this little right here, this little section? That's Israel. Israel's about the size of Wisconsin, okay? So we can buzz up to, all the way up to Rhinelander. We can go up to, you know, uh, Superior all this, it, in a couple hours, right? And that's literally what Israel's like. It's probably about the size of Wisconsin. Look at all this land up here. <laughs> Does this even make sense? I mean, you've got all of this. Russia is 6,000 miles from east to west. What do you want to do with this little country that's only probably about 200 miles east to west? I mean, what is it that you want here? But, but you kind of get this idea here. And if we look at Afghanistan, Afghanistan's right here. What's, what's my problem with us pulling out of Afghanistan? Remember after 9-11, we had about 100,000 troops there. They're down to probably about 2,500. I doubt that number. I bet it's even more than that that the United States just hasn't told anybody about. But what's the problem? Here's the problem. If you pull democracy, and I'll just say it at that, any form of organization or civilization protecting, what is stopping anybody from coming in the back door and getting Israel? They're not democratic. They're not democratic. They're not a democracy. They're not a democracy. They're not a democracy, right? Who's the only democracy that's living now in the Middle East? It's Israel, okay? That's the only thing that's left out there. What is keeping, what is keeping any forces from coming in. Well, right now, the fact that just even a couple years ago, there was 100,000 troops in Afghanistan plus equipment, and that's a pretty powerful thing, you know, you're out in the middle of the desert. So my concern is the back door of Israel is now wide open. And again, I'm, I'm not, you know, with the CIA, I'm not with the FBI, I don't know everything, but it just concerns me because there's no one, really, we're keeping, we're keeping the enemy away from Israel, but now there's nothing keeping the enemy from being at their back door. So, so what happens next after Russia invades? Well, I believe that the Antichrist, the beast, breaks his covenant with Israel, and he just moves into the land. He brings everybody. The book of Daniel talks about this, and all the armies of the beast move in. In other words, this, the Antichrist starts to put bullets in his gun, okay? If we can kind of phrase it like that, 
I got strength, but he comes into Israel and he says, don't worry, I'm not going not to pull the trigger. We're going to do this peacefully. But now Russia's invaded, and now it's like, all right, now we're loading up our weapons, all right? Now we're going to do this. Now we're bringing everybody. And, and uh, we, if we read through these passages, read through the book of Daniel, read through Ezekiel, we won't, won't spend time on it for the sake of, of time, but, but Russia comes and attacks, and God actually intervenes. The beast, actually, the Antichrist does his part with some of the southern nations there. And what happens is the Antichrist then forms, at that time, a one-world government, saying, you know what, we got rid of Russia. Russia was the, they're the, they're the problem. They're not a superpower anymore. We just defeated them, okay? God miraculously intervenes on that. I'm sure the Antichrist is going to take credit for it. And he says, you know what, we're done with all these, these nutcases. We're going to be the one world government. We're in charge of the world right now. Now, kind of interesting thought on that and just kind of an interesting thing. When is that going to happen? I'm back to the, I'm back to the, the, the three and a half year mark. Now, we talked about this the other day. Remember we talked about the Antichrist going into the temple and offering sacrifices? What gives this guy the guts to go into a Jewish temple that was just built and say, put all your sacrifices with my name on it? What gives him the guts? I bet you the battle of Gog and Magog, the fact that they just wiped out Russia, it's now not a player, it's not a contestant, it's not a name. Who's ever in charge of Russia at the time, they're gone and I think the Antichrist is saying, <laughs> we did this. I, I did this, all right? This is pretty good. Now, we're not going to give credit to God, but he's going to make it very clear that I did this. I didn't have to use, I didn't have to pull a trigger. My magical powers took care of them, you know? And, and so we're going to start to see that, and I think it's going to happen right there in the middle, and the, the battle of Gog and Magog and Russia invading, and I think that happens. And, and then, as if it's not bad enough that there's a war there, then I think things really start to get bad. And I believe then after that middle mark, Somewhere around here, we start to get into what we'd really call the battles of Armageddon, okay? Or just simply known the battle of Armageddon. And I think we really start to see that uh, really start to take place and really get nasty. Now, I'm going to pause for a second to remind us of something. Do you remember we studied this a couple weeks ago? Remember we talked about all the bad things that are going to be happening uh, supernatural events that are going to happen at the end times. And, and I'm just going to read them real quick for the sake of time, just to put, because I want you to put it in context, okay, of how bad things are. Ready? Just real quick. Revelation chapter 16, verse 2, and this is talking about the, the vials or the bowls being poured out of judgment upon the earth. The first one, verse 2, went out, first angel went out, poured out his vial upon the earth, and there felt noisome and grievous sores upon men. So there's these boils and sores, verse 3. And the second angel poured out his, and, and uh, the seas literally became blood, like a dead person's blood, and everything died. The third angel comes out, and he turns all the rivers and all the springs and all the fountains into blood also. The fourth one comes out, and the, he cranks up the temperature of the sun, and the people start to get scorched. Are you seeing a little bit of a, a progression here? First off, what happened? We have sores and boils all over our body. What happens next? All the water turns to blood. We can't drink it. Imagine how thick the oceans are and the lakes are filled with dead fish and dead carcasses, right? There's nothing to drink. We are starving here. Let's go to the creeks and the rivers and the drinking fountain and find the bubblers in Milwaukee and let's drink from them. But now those are all turned to blood and you go to your drinking fountain and it's blood. Blood, not like blood, but blood coming out of the drinking fountain. You, 
And now, the temperature on the sun's cranked up, and it literally says the people are starting to get scorched. You, can you find any relief right now? Can you? Are you able to turn your air conditioner on? Probably not, because there's probably no electricity at the time. And the fifth angel comes out, uh, and, and verse 10, and darkness comes upon the face of the earth. And verse 12, and the sixth angel comes out, and this is the one that's always weird, and we talked about this. Uh, it came upon the great river Euphrates, and the water was dried up. Can we see a picture of a map of the Euphrates uh, River area? Here is, um, here is Israel right here. Here, this line right here is the Euphrates River, kind of, okay? What's the big deal that the Euphrates River dries up? So who cares a river dries up? The sun's turned up and scorched. Pause for a second. Back up. Let's just kind of think through it real simply. If the temperatures turned up in the earth, it would be the ultimate global warming. Pastor Dan, do you believe in global warming? I absolutely do. We just read about it in Revelation chapter 16. It's not going to happen while we're here, Christians, so don't worry. It'll be happening for those that are still here, right, during the tribulation. But what happens? All the ice caps, North Pole, South Pole, they totally melt. What happens then? Is there a major flooding? There's major flooding everywhere. What happens if this whole area is flooded? All these people can't get across into Saudi Arabia in this whole area to get into Jordan, to get into Israel. The, the miracle here, the, the unbelievable thing, is that there's mass flooding everywhere, but this river dries up, which does what? Which puts a wide open highway for Russia and, and all the other nations out there. If they want to come through, they can come through. So see how this is all kind of tying together, and you have the natural disasters tying in with the political things and so forth. So this really is a big deal. And those verses go on to say that the kings of the east are brought against the armies of the beast, and, 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 and they're against Israel. And those verses we studied last time we were together talked about demonic influence has influenced the leaders of the world to come against Israel. The, can we put this map back up? The leaders of the east. So that's interesting. That would be over here, right? Do you know what that word east actually means? It actually means the rising sun. Seems like there's a nation over here that used to be called the house of the rising sun. It, that's, it doesn't just mean east on a map. It literally means the rising sun. So, so these nations over here, Russia's out of the picture, but now you have these nations over here from the east, these Asian nations over here are going to come over, and this is their highway to cross into the land here. That's why that prophecy, that's why that, uh, that, uh, that, uh, that tribulation, so to speak, on the nation is such a big deal. They're going to come in there, Japan, Asia, all those nations are going to come in there, and they're going to meet in Jerusalem and wage war together. Now, I believe that the next thing we're going to see in that little timeline there is that the nations are gathered around Jerusalem, and this is where really the battle of Armageddon gets ready. So remember, those other passages we looked at, the kings of the north are taken care of, the kings of the south are taken care of, now we have the kings of the east are on the page, and they're going to have the battle of Armageddon. I want to stop just for a second because it's something I didn't cover. I want to show a picture of, um, uh, let's see that other map that had bigger Russia on it. No, here we go. Yeah, right, right. Okay, very good. So we have Israel. This is zoom in of Israel. Do you see Israel right here? Jerusalem's right here. Can you see that? All right. Sea of Galilee is right here. Dead Sea's right here. Jerusalem. Where they're coming to is an area, a town called Megiddo. Okay? Now, pause for a second. Think. The Battle of Armageddon. Megiddo. Do you see a similarity in names? Right. Okay. So this is just north of Jerusalem. Um, guys, there was another map that, that showed all of uh, Russia, including Moscow. Uh, yeah, I guess it's this one right here. Okay, 
when they talk, the side note, when they talk about the, the kings of the north, this is interesting. You know what's straight up from, from Jerusalem? Moscow. Isn't that kind of interesting? I mean, people, well, what if it's not Russia? Who else could it possibly be? All right, you know. All right, back to our back to our study. But but the Jezreel Valley. Show the photo here. The Jezreel Valley. I've been here numerous times, and and literally these nations from the east and these other nations are going to join uh, over here for the battle of what we know as the Battle of Armageddon, and have the world's final battle. World War Three. Hopefully not World War IV, but World War III will take place in this valley. You literally see it's a valley. I've stood right here where this photo is taken, and you can see literally there's a valley here. The Bible goes on in these passages here in Ezekiel to say uh, about 1,600 furlongs long, which actually, if you were to measure out, is the length of Israel from top to bottom. And it's talking about this whole area. This is where the Bible also talks about blood being up to a horse's bridle. I don't know, is that because of major flooding? Is this area going to be flooded and, and the diluted blood? I don't exactly know, except I know this. All the armies of the world are being demonically influenced to go here and have a battle. And the world leaders are being influenced demonically to go and fight. Now, I think it's just interesting. We only have a few minutes left, but I think it's interesting. <laughs> the world will listen to demonic influence to go do something. The world won't listen to God. This book was completed 2,000 years ago, inscribed by the hand of God, written by mankind, but, but written literally by God Himself. The world looks at this book and laughs and ridicules and, 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 and mocks everything in this book says. But the devil comes on stage, demons come on stage, and influence the leaders of the world to do something, and people are just going to bow down. Whatever, whatever we should, we'll just do it. Don't worry about what God says. Don't worry about what, what Christianity says. We just want to do whatever it is that the devil wants us to do. I, I always get so frustrated with this as a pastor. Here's what I get Can I tell you what I'm frustrated with? Is it okay to tell you what I'm frustrated with? Mike, are you okay with me explaining my frustrations? All right, here's my frustration. My frustration is this, is that we'll watch a YouTube video from some guy we don't even know. We don't even know him. And, and we don't know what his credentials are. We don't, and we'll watch a YouTube video, and this guy will tell us, how to fix our car. And like, well, I saw it on YouTube. And, and we go, and we get in the hood, and we'll do whatever this guy says to do to fix the problem with our car, right? Do you know this guy? Do, do you know what education he has? Is he a Christian? It doesn't matter. The fact that this guy, we Google him, and on YouTube will tell us how to fix our car. But then we come to something really serious like our marriage, like our kids, like our family, like our finances, you know, like, like how we live our Christian life. And the preacher would get up on a Sunday morning and open up this book, which has been around for 2,000 years. Amen, church? And, and just looking at this book, we'll look at how to run our marriage, how to, how to run our finances, how to choose what entertainment we, we should be watching or listening to. And, and, and we'll look at him and say, oh, how dare that preacher talk about that? Legalist! Legalist! Don't! But wait, i got to watch the YouTube guy because I don't know him from Adam, but he's going to tell me how to do a brake job on my car, you know? <laughs> and and we'll, we'll do anything like that. We'll find in line. We'll just listen. To it. We'll, we'll drink the Kool-Aid all day long if it's online. And people even do that with prophecy. People who do it with Bible doctrine. People tell me stuff sometimes. Pastor Dan, you know, if you heard so-and-so. And it's like, no, who is he? Well, he's on YouTube. Okay, so who is he? Well, I don't know, but, but he's on YouTube and he's really good. 
<laughs> and they got some crazy nutcase philosophy or some crazy nutcase doctrine or some stupid thing about how to raise your kids or some dumb thing about what to do with your finances. And, and we'll just listen to them and just, well, I saw it online and we'll just do it. Church, hey, church, come on, Christians, listen, stop being so gullible, all right? It's a tough thing. Here's where the struggle is. You know where the, the grind is with Christians? Here's the struggle. We are taught we are taught in the Bible by Jesus Christ himself to love one another, to trust each other. We're, we're almost, I'm not going to say we're taught to be gullible because we're taught to have wisdom, but we're taught, we're taught to be trust, pe- trusting people. We're, tra- we're taught to be people that trust other people. And yet we take that to the extent where we don't apply wisdom to it and we become the most gullible people on the face of the earth. Christians, Dayspring Church, stop being so gullible. Just stop it. Just don't. If there's something that you hear, well, I heard some new thing. Stop it, okay? Check your new thing against this old thing. Amen, church? Okay, well, it's something new. Listen, my Bible says this. I'll be really clear about this. My Bible says this. There is nothing new under the sun, okay? Someone hasn't read this book and, if I turn it this way and I put it in a mirror, you know, and I do a little my leg with this, it says this. No, it doesn't. Stop it. There's enough this way, reading it forwards in English as written, for me to handle and, and for me to want to deal with in my life. I don't need some secret code, okay, or some mystery that no one else, don't tell the pastor because I got a little eye on this thing. Listen, if you can't talk to the pastor about something you found in Scripture, if you can't talk to the pastor about your finances, if you can't talk to the pastor about your relationship, if you can't talk to the pastor about your marriage, if you can't talk to, talk to the pastor about raising your kids, you have a problem, all right? My Bible says, seek a multitude of counselors. So what's a multitude? Well, I'm only one, all right? You ought, to be, you ought to be seeking wisdom and advice and counsel on any kind of decisions that you make, especially big, big decisions, from a multitude of of Christian counselors. The understanding there is the word spiritual people. Well, I talked to someone out in the parking lot. <laughs> really? <laughs> but don't tell the pastor. If your attitudes don't tell the pastor, you better check your heart because you know what? You're not being honest. What, what, what would you be so afraid? Let's be honest. What would you be so afraid about the pastor knowing about what you're doing? What would you be so, why, why are you so afraid about it? If it's good, honoring, wholesome, before the Lord, and it's being done for the glory of God, what, why are you keeping it a secret? What, why? Why is it a secret? It shouldn't be a secret, right? I mean, it should, it should be something that you would openly go and say, hey, pastor, praise the Lord. You know, this is a great thing, right? But you just be very careful. If you don't want to talk to your, your spouse about, I'm not going to talk to my spouse. Well, I'm not going to talk to my parents. Well, I'm not going to talk to my Sunday school teacher. I'm not going to talk to the youth group leader. You better watch out. The devil has got his foot in the door of your heart, and you're going, well, they just wouldn't understand. Really? They wouldn't understand. It sounds to me like you're hiding something, right? Church, don't, don't be like that. The devil will use that to, to ruin your, your fellowship. The devil will use that to get you out of this church. You'll stop going to church because, well, people just don't understand. You know, that's just wrong, okay? We, we, here's what we should be doing. We should, we should be saying, dear God, please, 
show me something from this book how I'm supposed to live my life, right? Dear God, please, this is what we should be praying. Please, Sunday morning, work through our pastor at our church who you called me to attend to. Help him to reveal something to help my life be better. Help him to make me a better husband, a better wife, a better parent, a better student, a better child. Lord, work through our pastor. Convict me this Sunday. That's what we ought to be praying this Sunday morning. Amen, church? Instead of, well, I just got offended. Oh, ruffled up. Well, if you're getting ruffled up, you got the problem, okay? Listen, any of you who have been coming to this church for, for a period of time, here's what you know. You know, you know this church is trying, is trying, not perfect, but is trying to do whatever it can to fulfill the Great Commission, which means what? You know we are just bent on evangelism. We just love to, to win people. We love to give the gospel to people. And, 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 and because we're focused on the gospel, we're not focused on little petty you know, clicks and little petty issues, and well, the pastor didn't say hi to me. Well, someone didn't say hi to me on Facebook. Get over it, church. Don't be like that, all right? If you're focused on the gospel, all this little side issue stuff, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't, because you're more concerned about the lost that are dying and going to hell. Amen? That's what we should be focused on as a church, and not the little petty things. Well, so-and-so didn't talk to me. Well, they didn't ask me to sing in the choir. Well, how come I wasn't asked to teach a Sunday school class? Well, how come I wasn't asked to sing the special? Look, can I give you a little hint? Here's just a little hint, all right? They've never asked me to sing a solo in this church. <laughs> and I'm the founder of this church. If anybody ought to be able to sing a solo, it ought to be the, the preacher, right? They've never asked me to teach a Sunday school class at this church. They just haven't. I, I guess I'm not any good. I, <laughs> you know, they, they've never asked me to sing in choir. Matter of fact, the, the choir director made it very clear. Pastor Dan, wait, wait. You ought to spend your time in prayer. Um, <laughs> they, all right? They wouldn't let me play guitar. I used to play guitar. They're like, I can't even do that anymore. All right? Get over it. If you get your heart set on the gospel, you're not going to be so worried about the stupid, petty things that split churches all the time. You won't be because you're more concerned about winning the lost. All right? Don't let the devil get his foot in the door and, well, he just looked at me wrong. Well, just stop it, all right? And, and just, just seek counsel. Be honest. Be humble. Listen, when you're honest and you're humble, you have no problem asking for advice. You don't. When you're honest and you're humble, you don't. I, I've told the story many times before. When my kids were younger, I would send them with my pastor, with my pastor, Dr. James Scudder. I would send them with him. Uh, to, he was semi-retired. He had a place down in Florida. He'd go fishing. And, and I'd send him down there to go fishing with him for a week. And you're like, are you kidding me? Oh, yeah. And I told Dr. Scudder, just crystal clear, that like, you have carte blanche with our kids. His son, Pastor Jim Scudder Jr., now has carte blanche with us as far as, 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 as observing and saying anything. And if, if they, my kids go down there and stay with Uncle Jim, you know, he could, he could tell me anything. He said, you know what? Your kids are a brat. You know what? Your kids are prideful. You know what? There's an issue with this. You know what? I'd watch out with this. And, and, and I promise I just I don't get offended by it. Why? Because I really want to do what's right. Church, do you really want to do what's right or do you really want to do it your way and no one's going to tell me how to have my marriage, right? Is that how you are? Or is it, no, I really want to raise my kids right. doesn't mean perfect. I just want to do it right. Would someone lean into me and tell me how to do this right? And, and I would do that all the time. It doesn't mean my kids are perfect. It doesn't mean anything like that. It just means that I'm just trying to be open. I'm not trying to hide well. I don't want pastor to see my kids. Well, who cares if the pastor sees your kids? God's watching your kids, right? I mean, goodness sakes. So, anyways, 
That's not in my notes. Uh, back to this message here. I don't, what are we talking about? We're talking about the end times. Uh, but, but basically, this is where the battle of Armageddon is going to be, and, and, and that's the, the battle, end all battles. Now, what's interesting is this. When they come to battle in Jerusalem, let me just, so you understand this, the, the kings from the east come against the, the one world government and the beast, and there's going to be a battle, and they're, they're against each other. I'm going to kill you, you're going to kill me. Now, what's interesting is if we go over to Matthew chapter 24, back in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 24, look at verse 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. I don't know what that sign is. I don't. I have no idea. There's something that happens, something in the heavens that happens. These battles, the, the one world government, the kings of the east, are after each other. There's a sign in the heavens. They look up. They see this sign. I don't know what it is. I, I, maybe it's a cross. That'd be kind of cool. I don't know. But all of a sudden, they say, wait a second. You're not my enemy. You're not my enemy. Who's the enemy here? You're the enemy. You're the one that's been messing everything up. And, and instead of turning their guns literally on each other at this moment, they literally point their guns towards heaven. <laughs> what is this that happens? I have no idea. What is it that gives them the, the, the audacity to think like, well, I'm going to load up my bang. You know, <laughs> I don't know what happens, or rockets, or whatever it is that they have, but, but it basically literally turns the armies to turn from each other to fight against God himself. If we looked over at Revelation chapter 19, verse 19, here's another passage that talks about this. And I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And so this is the time here that the armies uh, of, of the world, the beast, uh, the, uh, the kings of the east, they literally are destroyed by God himself. Verse uh, 21 of Revelation chapter 19. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeds out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with the flesh. So we see this thing happen, basically come together for the final battle, and they realize this is the one we're fighting against. They, they, they are actually against God himself, and God says, enough, I've had it, and I'm done. His sword comes out. He annihilates, he annihilates the battlefield, right? Blood is so thick that it's up to the, the, the horse's bridle, Okay. That's how bad it's going to be. And then if we go back over to Matthew chapter 24, we see another passage that ties in with this. What happens next? Verse 22. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. God says, you know what? We're done. <laughs> so I don't know. So if this tribulation period is supposed to be seven years, you know, let's just say seven years to the day, how much does God shorten it by? I don't know. Is it a day? Is it a week? Is it an hour? Is it a month? I don't know what it is, but for whatever reason, it doesn't make it all the way to the end of seven years because guess what? There will be, will be no more human life left on the face of the earth. God says, you know what? We're done. That's it. So, a big battle, the battle to end all battles. God ends up finishing off the battle. God intervenes. Jesus Christ, of course, then steps down on earth. We will talk in the weeks to come about what happens at the end of the tribulation looking forward. What is this thing called the millennial kingdom. What's it look like? We're going to have to talk about it because there's a lot to talk about. Who's in charge? What's happening? Well, I'll give you a little hint. Jesus comes down and he says, you know what? We're done. I am now going to rule and reign for the next thousand years with a rod of iron in my hand. 
And guess what we're doing, believers, believers that were raptured by the church? Guess what we're doing? We're helping him rule with a rod of iron. Now, here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that means that we're not going to get hit with the rod of iron. Uh, we're helping him rule. <laughs> but, but we'll look at it. We'll study it. But uh, that's called the millennial kingdom. So the battle to end all battles, yeah, is going to take place at the end of the tribulation. Church, does that mean that the world's going to be destroyed by nuclear bombs prior to this point? No, it does not because we're still alive, right? So I think it's interesting that he says you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars, but he's talking to the church. Don't be troubled about it, okay? Church, our focus, our focus should not be on who's in the White House. It's, it's a concern. We vote, right? I voice my vote, of course. Our, tr- our, our concern should not be protesting. Our concern should not be, ugh, what's going to happen to America? Our concern should be what? Giving the gospel of Jesus Christ to the lost and dying because at the end of time, that's all that's going to matter. It's just, so, so the rapture comes and, and, and we have lower taxes. So what? The rapture comes and, and, and we have a really great conservative in the White House. So what? <laughs> the rapture comes and, 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 and you know, gas prices are lower, taxes are lower. It just doesn't matter. What matters is that we're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. And when your focus is on that, all this other stuff starts to fade away. It's like, okay, whatever, right? COVID, schmovid, it doesn't matter to me. Mash, mask, I don't, I, it, does, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't. It just doesn't. What matters to me is that there's lost people this week going to be at the fair. About 40,000 people expected at our fair this weekend. And we're the only church that I know of that's giving out gospel tracts and inviting people to accept Christ as your Savior for these 40,000 people. Maybe there's going to be another church there. Praise the Lord if there is. But church, we got some work to do. There's 40,000 people that are going to be passing in front of our tent in the next seven days. Is that cool or what? I just think that's awesome. And we need to be part of it, and you need to get it sold out for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the more you're sold out, the more you're handing out tracts, the less you're worried about stupid, petty things, because your heart's on the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? What's the gospel? Well, this verse says it all. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God says, I love you so much, I hate your sin, I will pay for that sin debt by my son Jesus dying on the cross, being buried, three days later rising again, proving it had been paid. I just want you to believe that. I want you to accept that. Well, I got to turn from all my sins. No, you don't. <laughs> you couldn't do it anyways. Don't tell me you did it. You can't do it. Well, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. No, you're not. And you couldn't anyways. Well, I'm going I'm to ask Jesus to forgive all my sins. Well, that's nice, but you don't know all your sins. That's the problem. All you can simply, God, I realize I'm a sinner. God, I'm a sinner. But I know that Jesus Christ died on the cross. He paid my debt. I don't have to. There's nothing I can do to pay for it. I is totally by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, and I accept that. That is the moment of salvation when you stop depending on yourself and you trust fully in what Christ did, okay? That is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, let's have a word of prayer and let's be done today. Heavenly Father, we're excited about our study at the end times. There's so much to talk about. Lord, I pray that with this in mind, our hearts are renewed. The teens in our church are challenged to do something with their life for the cause of Christ. Stop, stop living for the next Facebook post. Stop living for just what appears, appeals to them, but be focused on there is a dying world out there. Our job is to give the gospel. Lord, that's the only thing you're going to care about in eternity is what we've done for the cause of Christ. That's it. 
That, you, that's, that's all that's going to entertain you is, is what we did for, for the cause of Christ, Lord. That's it. Lord, would you focus our hearts on that? Would you keep us plugged in to sharing the gospel? Lord, may this church never lose the wonder of it all, the wonder of the gospel message. May we never cease to be amazed by the gospel of grace. And then we pray, amen. very interested in you and your spiritual growth. If you want to contact Dayspring for prayer or more information, you can reach us at 262-404-5092 or on the web at dayspringbaptist.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.